Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello! Trojan fans, welcome to the Parastyle Podcast on a Monday. Been a busy weekend, of course, USC in traumatic fashion falling to the Stanford Cardinal 42-28. to We're going to talk about that debacle of a game with the Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com. If you have questions or comments for us, and you guys have sent a lot in, uh, podcast at USCfootball.com's email address, or you can call or text us at 424-254. Nine one four one. If you have the Apple Podcasting app, please follow and leave us a five star rating and a review, comment, feedback, suggestions, anything like that. We do appreciate uh, you doing all of that, and uh, we're gonna, you know, start off with the coach. Coach is here. Want to welcome him in, Coach? How you doing, sir? Hey, Ryan. Good morning to everyone. Yes, it's Monday, and it's time for our podcast. And again. Here we go. I'm sure we have a lot of questions. We'll try to answer as many as we can for you. And I uh, hope you all had a great weekend. Uh, I know it somewhat was spoiled, but we'll talk about the entire game and the P- and the Pac-12 or whatever you have out there. Yeah, for sure. Um, we got to talk about USC's loss to Stanford. And I did an emergency podcast up to I was up to about four thirty in the morning doing the podcast. It was crazy. Took twenty voicemails. People called in. They were obviously upset, Coach. People were 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 upset. We've got a whole bunch more voicemails since then. I grabbed a few, bunch of email questions, texts. We got all that stuff uh, going on. But uh, we we got to start off with your thoughts, Coach, because man, this one was. Uh, I think it was to me. It was shocking. You know, some people are like, "Oh, it's Clay Hill, and it doesn't matter." The administration did fix a lot of stuff around the program. It's a much better assistant coaching staff. There's better video people. There's better recruiters. All that stuff is better. The schedule was set up very easily for USC to go five and zero. And you looked at Stanford in Week One; they were not good. They were down twenty four to nothing, and they, it wasn't that close. Um, that's with a pick six. I mean, that's with an interception in the end zone. Stanford got on Kansas State. Kansas State goes out and beats Southern uh, Illinois by eight points the next week. It's not like Kansas State's this world beater, but Stanford had USC's number, and it's hard to make sense of it. I still don't think Stanford's a good team. I don't think they're a very good team. They played well on Saturday. This is more, uh, you know, uh, indication of what USC, the direction USC is going. And to me, it's not going in the right direction. Maybe we'll get first your overall thoughts and we'll kind of break down, you know, some of the position groups or the offense, defense, special teams kind of stuff. But just overall, coach, what? how did you come away from this one? Well, it was certainly uh, a shame to have this type of performance, I feel. But it was coming, and we all knew it was coming. We've had portions of it every week. We've had discussions about it every Monday. Not just this year, last year, the year before, the year before that, on exactly what's happening within the football program as far as the administration, as far as the president itself, the athletic director, the whole package. It, you know, you got to want to win. Everybody's trying to win. You know, it's like having the fastest race car in America, but you don't have anybody who can drive it, or you don't have a pit crew. And that's basically what it comes down to. Do you have a pit crew? You can have all the money in the world in a car, 
or a football program, but unless you have the right pit crew and the right driver, you know, just because you have numbers that are in the front office, that doesn't mean they're they're getting done what they have to do or they knew what they were supposed to do before they got there because you got to have somebody reteach them or they find out on their own. You've had a rotation of coaches. You've had a rotation of strength coaches. You've had a rotation of every possible type of thing that can happen there. So, you know, I think it's a a part of what the crowd uh, said at the game. I think they're tired of uh, it. I think I hate booing. Now, if you're a person that booed, you certainly have that obligation to do that, but it does boo the kids, and I don't think it is the kids' fault. And uh, it's a way of them saying, you know, we don't like what's going on. We've had it. We're going home. And again, what gets me to think like, and what endorses my statement is when I listen to the post-game interviews, uh, which they allow, Keeley did such a great job with Graham Harrell, uh, as far as asking him decent questions and the answers we received, the people haven't heard them, and what Coach Helton had to do after having a terrible performance, bring two kids to that press conference and have them sit up there, I think that was embarrassing to the football program and embarrassing to the team. He should have come in and faced it like a man and not say, oh, you know, we didn't execute it, we didn't do this, or we didn't do that. You know, it's time that people want to know, like, hey, when are you going to admit what's going on? And the same with the coordinator. If you listen to the offensive coordinator's interview after the after the game, I mean, I said, my goodness. I mean, we didn't execute. We got to play harder. We're not playing hard enough. What are you talking about? Please put the kids in a position where they can win. Give them some instruction. I mean, they're deteriorating. These kids are all four and five star players. Not all of them, but put them in an offense or a defense that can really work. And then the special teams, as far as you know, the opening kickoff, you lose your kicker. That's not intentional. That just happens. But they run the ball all the way back to the 40 or whatever it was, and they get a penalty. So the minimum and the, you know, the the spirit of Stanford generates more momentum on the sideline. And then to just be completely out of the game and not know what's going on and the adjustments that are being made. And you people talk about it all the time, the amount of points they've scored in the third quarter in the last eight games or whatever zero i mean all these things indicate that what's going on can't someone understand this in the administration and figure out oh, do we or do we not want football money isn't the obligate the, the problem at usc they've got money to do all the things they want to do do they want to have a football program before they lose the whole package and I don't think right now they could get a great coach to come in there if Clay Helton was to leave, because they're not—they're not really—they don't really believe that USC wants football committed. Will they let them run the program without someone else running it for them or telling them, "Here, you just be our statue and we'll tell you what to do"? Now, myself, if I'm Clay Helton, if I was the head football coach at USC, I'd make some changes. Okay, I'd come out and say. We're making some changes as this and that. I'm not going to say who that is, but I'd make some changes at least let people say, well, we'll take a look and see what else happens now. But no movement is no is, is not making it. People ahead it. And uh, unless he makes some changes, they're going to change him. 
So Coach, he better make up his was, mind where he's got to go. Coach, he was asked about that in the, the post-game press conference, and his response was, it's game two. It's game two. Um, wait till you see where we are at the end of the season. And I feel like that was not well-received. I mean, most of his comments haven't been well-received by the fans, but the that one in particular because you feel like this has been the same thing over and over. And he was asked uh, about that in the press conference on Sunday night, and, you know, similar thing, like, well, this has been going on for years. But the, the response is, you know, hey, it's game two. We've bounced back before. Um, I don't know. What, what were your thoughts on when he was saying stuff like that? Well, you know, they, he doesn't have any answers for it, okay? When you start, it's game two, and you say, we got to work harder. We got to, you know, the kids have got to execute better. You're passing the buck. You don't know what to say. And he didn't know how to answer these questions. Either did the offensive coordinator. He didn't know how to answer those questions. And when you can't answer a question, then you know what, don't know what the, you're trying to improve. It's the same old saying. You know, if someone thinks they know and they don't know, you've really got a problem. And right now, I've been saying it all along, they got a problem. Our, what's their identity? I mean, how many times do I have to say this on this show? I feel sorry for all of our listeners. Take a look and see what they're doing and how they do it and what they're trying to accomplish and it just doesn't make sense. And even on the defensive side of the football, I know Todd Orlando, I looked at him, okay, on the sideline a couple times. He was completely, he had had it, it looked like to me. What more can we do? I'm embarrassed standing on these sidelines. Yet the defense, you know, everybody talks about the defense. They didn't perform that well. They run up and down the field. They throw the ball. A starting quarterback in his first debut rips them apart. I mean, and the things I've told you guys all the time, they take a, a great player and Drake Jackson and, and you know, he's not a player anymore. One tackle or a couple of quick rushes and he's not in the game. He should be six five, six six, two hundred and ninety pounds, playing on the defensive end position and drawing double teams every single play. They ran right at him. The first power, they kicked him out. He didn't even know what what to expect. Ran inside of him and went for a touchdown. I mean, he's not even being schooled. He doesn't understand that. You're making him think rather than be a football player. How many times have I said that? Then your number one recruit in the country doesn't even get in the game. I don't know what's wrong with him, but nobody says why until afterwards. I mean, it just continually happens. And uh, people are just, uh, you know, at a point where the administration has got to make a statement. Are they happy with what they have? Do they want to wait till the end of the season? I don't know what they want to do, but they better step up. I was happy to see that the president tweeted out something about Sam Cunningham today. I don't know if you saw that tonight, about a week late, talking about how great he is. She didn't even know who he was. That, I'm just going to tell you, maybe she did after someone told her. But does she know about the tradition of USC football? Does she know what it means to the people at USC? Hey, I do fundraising for USC as far as the Rose Bowl. How would you like to call a guy today and say, would you like to donate to the Rose Bowl for USC? How do you think that would feel? They could have been ranked in the top 10 this week if they'd had a decent performance because of everybody that went down. They could have been in the top 10, believe me. But they blew that too, so they don't have that anymore. So, you know, all these things uh, just add up. They don't take advantage of the schedule. They don't don't take advantage of the kids when they say, "Oh, we guy got to have to make a better effort. He's got to make that throw." Hey, man, you're just passing the buck. Why don't you know that you're just passing the buck? Answer the question. 
What are you going to do to fix this? What are you going to add? You run power to the left 20 times in a row, run it to the right twice. The guy's wide open on bootlegs as far as Solis, and he just stands out there. I've called it lazy football. That's because you don't know what to do. I mean, my goodness, that's enough. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, you mentioned the identity on offense, and we talked about this on Tunnel Vision last night. This is um, – I know people were apprehensive for an air raid to come to USC. This is not an air raid. I don't know what it is. Uh, it, I mean, it feels like the what you know Dan Weber would call like the thirty-one flavors or the uh, the grab bag or whatever it is. You know the gumbo. Um, I I don't know. You feel like there's some check off like some check sheet coach, and they're like, well, we need to get this many rushing yards, and let's try to get these these guys touches, and it's sort of like, well, let's try to do these things, not like, oh, here's our comprehensive plan of how we're going to do things. What I was excited about was you had some kind of guru, someone that knew this offense very well. He grew up in the air raid. He learned from Mike Leach. If you, you could argue you shouldn't run that because it never wins, whatever you want to say, but if at least you were running something that you knew well, boom, you have, you're, you're doing it. If you, if it was the wing T, I don't care. Like you had an expert in that offense. And now you feel like, I feel like, you have an expert in the air raid offense who's not running the air raid and it doesn't appear to be an expert in whatever this is. Um, and so that to me, coaches just seems like there is no identity. I, and it's an offense that's getting worse. And I don't know if it's Clay Helton tinkering with it, if it's just people have caught up, I, I don't know, but this does not look like the offense. You got to score points. I said this on tunnel vision. I don't care if you're going to run the ball every single time or throw the ball every single time, Put up 45 points and just say, hey, you know, hey, we scored 45 points. You're scoring 20 points. You're scoring 23 points. Like, that is not a recipe for success. You have to score. This is college, modern college football. you got to score a bunch of points. Um, so, to me, Coach, I don't care what you do. Just score points. This is not working right now. Well, I said it never was going to work. It's an it's a offense that's for places that can't win, that have – they don't have superior players. They have players like people are running at the academies, the triple option and things like that, where you don't have time to prepare for it. Mike Leach knows how to win with it. If he learned anything from Mike Lynch, he'd be doing all right. They had a win this weekend. They're 2-0, and I think. So, you know, and he won a lot of games at Washington State. He, I think he even beat SC at Washington State and other teams. But this this offense is a combination of Every type of mixture of whatever ever happened. And if you're going to be an air raid attack, then be it. Don't tell anybody you're going to run the football. Don't lie to people. Tell them this is what we're going to do. But have a complete package. Have the screens. Have the draws. Have every type of route you want. Have hot receivers down the seam. Spread them out. Uh, don't try to kid them. Don't try to kid them you're going to run the football. We're going to pass the football. This is the way it is. No, you're going to fa face a, a, a three-man rush or a two-man rush, but be able to attack the areas when they give them to you. Don't try to please the people or we're run or we're balanced offense or defense. And if you're a running football team, then run the football like the Army, like Army does or Navy does or Air Force does. They win football games. They don't get anybody. I think Army threw the ball five times. Well, be that type of football team, but know what to do with it. But in this situation, they don't know what to do with the air raid, and now they've combined it with whatever they think is a running game. 
And they've got this offense that nobody knows, but they hired somebody. He had one good year at North Texas State, and I don't know how he came to USC. And normally you want to get a guy at USC that's flown Air Force One or been the co-pilot. Okay, same with the head coach. How many times do I have to say this? I don't know. But you've got this, you got to live with it, or you got to make a change. Because the people there don't know how to make a change or what to do or how to change to where you're successful with great athletes. And when you start booing the kids, I saw that team quit. Remember, with seven minutes to go in the game, seven minutes to go in the game, the score was 42-13. to 42-13. to 13. And sure, they got a couple of scores at the end, but hey, man. People had left by then, and I wanted to turn my TV off. Yeah, 42 to 13. Um, I mean, a couple of garbage touchdowns there, but you're, you're down 20, you know, uh, 29 points, like, to, to Stanford in the fourth quarter as a 17-point favorite. Like, that's not acceptable. Um, I mean, the offense talked about a little bit. I was definitely disappointed in the defense too, Coach, seeing that I thought they played well in week one, you know, getting that pick six only giving up seven points. The The pass rush didn't get there in week one, but we felt like Nick Starko was rushed. I never felt like Tanner McKee was rushed in this one. Again, no sacks. So two weeks in a row, no sacks on the entire season. Um, some concern there, Coach. What were your thoughts on the defense? Well, it's the same thing. Uh, the defense didn't know how to stop Stanford. How long have I told you and everyone, and if you say I haven't told you this, please tell me, that when you're a defensive football team and you don't have a chance to practice against the run or play action pass, all of these things, how do you get better? How do you get used to somebody kicking you out and running inside with the off guard pulling or kicking you out? How do you get used to it? They don't know how to get used to it. So now they're more worried and they're confused about is it a pass or is it a run or is it a, what's going on here? And they don't bring their guys up the field full speed. They just don't do it to put a rush on. How can you rush a guy when you're not coming up the field? How do you rush when one of your ends is covering all the time or Jackson's dropping back covering? You usually have gazelles out there, man, that I used to say, get on that outside shoulder a little bit farther and you get after there. You beat him to the jump. You run four, six, five, four, five, whatever to the quarterback. Where he's supposed to be when he drops back. Anything else is not your responsibility. Just learn to contain and get to the quarterback. Well, I don't see any of that. And again, if you can't stop him, if you can't blitz him, or you can't stop him in the second, go after him. Do something, but just don't sit there. And again, the, the receivers made some great plays, and the guy threw the ball really well. But if you give him all day, he can he can throw the football and get it done. This kid was a great high school football player, but to make it his first start, in the and against USC and the Coliseum and such a rivalry. This is a big rivalry. This one hurt, okay? This one hurt USC fans. With that happening, hey, there's no excuse. Yeah, no excuse there for sure. And then on the special team side, I'm a, a fan of Sean Snyder, and I, you know, I've said this many times. Thought they were below average in Week One on special teams. Week Two, um, it, it was probably a little worse. And I don't know if it's coming from the top, if it's just like, Hey, you bring in a great special teams coordinator, but Clay Helton's still your head coach. So there's going to be discipline problems. There's going to be issues. I mean, special teams cost USC four points directly by going offsides on a field goal attempt, a short field goal attempt that goes through David Shaw to his credit. 
he's not a dude that likes to take points off the board. I don't know if he's ever done that or hardly ever done that. Takes points off the board, not for like a fourth and one, but it was like for fourth and two and a half or three or whatever it was, and goes for it and picks up the touchdown with the lead. Like that just didn't even seem like a David Shaw team. Like they're the they're the team that punts from the opponent's thirty five on fourth and two. You know, um, for him to take points off the board and and USC doesn't stop it, they get a touchdown instead of a field goal. That's just because you lined up offsides. That's, I mean, there was no, it's not how fast or strong you are. You lined up offsides on a field goal attempt, a short field goal attempt that you're probably not going to be blocking anyway. You know, fair catching a ball at the five, uh, you know, partially blocked punt. There was, there were some special teams problems again, coach. And what, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. I agree with you on everything you say. I don't have to rehash those, but that's just discipline. A player's discipline as far as lining up offsides. There's no excuse for that. There's no excuse. Uh, as far as fair catching it, they've had this problem the entire season. Uh, their judgment, the players back there, their judgments is absolutely ridiculous as far as what they're doing. And the coverage on the kickoff team uh, has not been that great. They've had a good field position all the time on that. So, you know, I would have to agree with you, Ryan, that they, I don't think the special teams have been what we were expecting. And uh, it has to go back to coaching and judgment. As far as the players you have on there, I'd rather have somebody back there that isn't going to run it back, but it's going to be making the right decisions. These kids are trying to make big plays, get on the front page of newspapers. He ran a punt back, 95 yards, all of these type of things, rather than just doing what he's out there supposed to do. That's, that's the thing that's happening. And also the rotating of players is getting way out of hand. When you see all these receivers on the field all the time, you've got a kid like Ford. I think he's a great receiver. He should be starting in my mind. I mean, how can you not play that kid when you're bringing in portal players and playing them before him and freshman players that are playing before him? Hey, this kid's a great player. What a, what hands and size. And, and so he's not even playing till the end of the game. I mean, I can't figure out what's going on, okay? And the way they say they're going to utilize the tight ends, I don't know what they did with the tight ends. Really, I don't know if they caught any passes whatsoever. Because, uh, you know, you'd think somehow if they had a play-action game when they're running the football a little bit, that you might be able to drag your tight end or corner him or flood the zone like Stanford did against them in that rollout when they said it was fourth and three to hell with it. We'll go for it. To me, that's just shoving it down your throat. But you never take points off the board like that, like you mentioned. Yeah, and that the fact that uh, he felt confident enough to do that, uh, that was just that was a baffling one to me. All right, well, we got a lot of questions, so why don't we take a quick break, and we'll come back and answer them. Back in a second. True Healers is a wellness platform that lets you instantly book more than 25 different holistic experiences such as massage, yoga, meditation, life coaching, personal training, sound healing, and more to enjoy one-on-one in the comfort of your own home, office, or through virtual sessions all on your schedule. Browse our healers, schedule your appointment, and we'll come to you. It's that simple. All healers are hand-selected through a rigorous vetting process guaranteed to be an expert in their modality, so you get the best care possible. We also accept HSA and FSA payments. Put your self-care first starting today and get 20% off when you book your first service on thetruehealers.com when you use code USCVIP. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Um, Again, I apologize. We have a lot of questions. I answered a ton of them on the Emergency Podcast. We took a whole bunch on Tunnel Vision uh, on Sunday night, and you can find that in our podcast feed as well. But I'll try to hit some of the highlight questions here for Coach because we just just can't do them all. My apologies for that. Um, Here's a simple one, Coach. Not really a question, but just kind of get your thoughts on this. I cannot criticize the... uh... Stanford game because it was the first USC football game that I just did not want to watch in the last 50 years. And I think that says it all. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, I mean, to not watch a game, and it's not like, I guess if you weren't going to watch the Washington State game, Coach, that might make sense because USC just lost to Stanford in blowout fashion. But USC won the first game. I'm not sure why you wouldn't watch the Stanford game, but uh, he tuned out. Well, you hear that from a lot of fans. I hear a lot of fans saying, I'm not going to the game this week. First of all, it's a late 7.30 kickoff. And, you know, the more you lose, the more 7.30 kickoffs you have. They just announced now Oregon State is going to be a 7.30 kickoff, which means you get home at 11 because it's not going to be a popular game for the nation to watch. So if you don't win football games, it makes it very inconvenient for the media, but they can't get any type of results in the newspaper because it's past the deadline. Uh, and also the people start leaving uh, early because they don't want to get home at midnight. So it's uh, a whole different thing. Winning uh, is very important. And the tailgating portion, people got to look forward to the game, look forward to the broadcast. And when you don't win then people start to shy away from the tailgating portion. Like this gentleman says, he didn't even watch the game or he turned it off or whatever. But these people have a lot of pride. And I've always said, USC football fans know football. They grew up with football. They went to USC. They understand what football is all about. So uh, they're embarrassed. Uh, I see more UCLA caps around town and sweatshirts. But I see very few very few USC hats and sweatshirts being worn around anywhere, country clubs or wherever I go, because people are embarrassed. So I really think that says it all. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, Coach, we have a um, uh, a text message. Uh, so he said, uh, two quick questions. It's Jarrett from Cyclamene. Have you ever spoke uh, to a former Trojan that played under Clay Helton and received their honest opinion? Someone who's played in the NFL or maybe transferred away from the program so they were able to compare experiences. Have I? Well, I can't remember right now. If I have, uh, if I have, I wouldn't divulge the player's name or, or, or say much about that because I think that's probably something I wouldn't want to say. But I think that... Uh, just draw your own conclusions. I mean, if you're not happy, if you're not winning, look at the number of players that are leaving. How about the receiver that got in trouble? You never hear of him again, McCoy. You're never even going to hear about him, like Brumeister, the kicker, whatever happened to him. I mean, he just disappeared. And I can go through players, players, players. I mean, I don't know. They just erased their name, I guess. I don't know. So uh, 
Uh, I can't really say uh, what the players would tell me. I know he's a nice person. I've always said that. But uh, does he have the respect that he deserves from the assistant coaches, from the guys on the sideline, from the media? Now, I'm going to say right now, and I've told you this a long time, many times, so you can say, Coach, you never told me that if, if I didn't tell you this. I think it all goes back. How many times do they, the media or people call call Nick Saban? Hey, Nick. Or, or hey, Dabo. It's Coach. It's a very polite gesture. Hey, Coach. I mean, when I see Coach, I call him Coach. I mean, this guy just normal person. Hey, Clay, how you doing, buddy? I mean, no, it's it's coach. Show the respect that's necessary. So that trickles down to the players. I bet you the players even call him Clay. I don't know what they call him. But you've got to have a level of, of yes, don't test me. Don't misjudge me that kindness is weakness. Hey, I'll fire a coach on the spot, or I'll take over the whole practice if I have to. I'll run the offense and the defensive side of the football if I have to. And I've done that before to set examples on a practice. When I didn't think we were practicing well or everybody's heads weren't in the practice. You've got to be alert and you've got to have the respect that that's the head man. He's the guy that's used to stand in the tower. This is the guy that can change my whole family life by just calling me in his office and say, you know what, clear out your desk and clear out your thing and be out of here by 10. But you know what? At USC, I don't think Clay Helkin could do that. I don't think he runs his program. I think he's just a face guy. I think he'd have to check with Mike Moan. He'd have to check with the assistant AD. He would have to ask the president. I mean, who's running the program? I mean, look at that. I mean, you've got to be able to show respect to who the head man is. And practice never started until the head man was there. I used to say, the guys would say, Coach, it's, it's 10 after. I'd say, it's not 10 after. Your watches are fast. My watch is the only watch that counts. And if we didn't do a drill right, we did it again. And that's the way it was. I decided when we did it right, or I'd say, run it again. Run it again. Run it again. I'd run the practice. I don't see that. I don't see coaching going. I don't see a guy being the general, that guys really know that he's the general. The media, myself, the fans, the players, the assistant coaches, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, Coach, all right, well, let's go to an email from Mark um, in the Inland Empire. He said, good morning, Coach and Ryan. It's bad enough that we're being outplayed in the third quarter again, but I noticed something on the sideline that I've never seen before. I think Clay lost the rocker, locker room, so to speak, halfway through the third quarter. Not all the players, but definitely some. I was looking for a player slash leader to step up and rally the troops, but that did not happen. Very disappointing in the players also. The fact that number nine was a preseason Heisman Trophy candidate, then to find out he's not even a team captain, which is voted by the player, says it all. Coach, is this team's salvageable? And where do you start? Thanks, Ryan, for having the show and giving us a voice. Mark from the Inland Empire. And real quick, um, Shotgun Bratling said that Kenai Malga was on the sideline, like, you know, the second half of the game uh, when the offense was out there struggling, like trying to fire up the defense who were sitting on the bench to get them going. I think there's been some players that are trying, but I, 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 feel, I think Mark has a point here with some of the, the body language didn't seem good from some, some of the players and, and coaches too. 
Well, you know, I'm not down on the sidelines, so I don't know what people are saying or what the locker room is. I used to call them locker room lawyers, but you got to all win together, cry together, pray together. You're all in the same plane. You're all in the same field together. And if you don't, if you don't have it all together and the players, you know, hear it from everywhere, like this podcast, players are probably listening to this podcast, which is something they're probably saying, yeah, he's right or no, he's not right. Uh, you know, it, it gets to players. It gets to these 19-year-old kids. I mean, they're, they're saying, yes, that's happening. or No, that's not happening. And it sort of uh, takes the steel out of the foundation. Where right now it's about ready to have an earthquake, okay? A bad one. And uh, they get down. Kids get down. They, they feel bad when they lose a football game. But again, you've lost control sometimes of these players. Uh, I'll tell you, to me, sometimes I think the front office is more important of their social media and the things they send out with all their things, uh, pictures and so on, than they are really taking care of what they have to do. I mean, I, I see so many guys on the football field, I don't even know who's coaching or who's what. I mean, man, I mean, it just should be football coaches, football players, and everybody else, get out of here. You don't need all these other people out there, recruiting coordinators. I only let one other guy on my practice field, and that was the academic advisor. He always knew where the players were when it was practice time. And I'd say, you come to practice, but that kid better be here. And you can go talk to any kid and pull him over to the side. And if you got a problem with him going to class or something, you call me over and we'll have our meeting right here in front of you-know-who and everybody. That's the only other person I allowed on the field or talking to my players. You go to SC at practice, guys are running around and slapping. Now, I don't even know who they are. Who are these guys? These guys are inside. These guys are studying, preparing for a game. So, you know, these are all the things that I watch. And, you know, I don't talk about them. You see me stand there. But I'm observing this all. I'm observing what's going on as far as who's driving the bus. I mean, uh, don't be afraid to, you know, discipline people or, or tell people what's going on or what you expect out of someone. And, uh, you know, you don't get a second chance at the first impression. You know, that, you know when, you get a, when you get a – when somebody looks at you, they either like what you're doing or they don't. You don't get a second chance. And, yeah. and I think that's really important. All right. Uh, well, let's go to – we got a voicemail from Don. He's not real happy. I'll play this one for you. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Coach Hyde. It's Don again from Chicago. And, of course, you know, I've been saying the same thing for years now. When are we going to fire Clay Helton? I mean, I like many USC fans, I didn't even watch the game. Why waste our time? We know what's going to happen. It's the same old BS. So uh, my question, Ryan, really is for you. Uh, you know the powers that be at USC. You know the pressures they are under. When can they fire Helton? How soon can they fire him? Is he going to make it through the end of the year, no matter what our record is? And who, uh, Ryan and Coach Hyde, do you think would be the best coach to replace USC? And when can they go after them? The rest of the stuff, as I said last week, the schemes and all that, that's all BS. The only question is, when are we going to fire Helton and who's going to replace him? Thanks so much, guys. Respect your work. Don from Chicago. Hey, Don. Brian, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. So that comes up a lot, coach, <laughs> as far as, uh, what's going on. It, my gut feeling is 
and I, you know, we've talked about as far as achievements as a head coach, I think, you know, there was justification for Clay Helton to be fired long ago. And I, you know, we've talked about that many times. We felt that that's what the administration would do. Then we find out that the administration under Lynn Swan uh, made an egregious move and gave Clay Helton a very favorable contract for him and his agent and not for USC, making it pretty much impossible for them to fire him after that five and seven season where normally you would be fired. And now I feel like there's only a couple of years left on that, that the you have to figure out a way to do this. Uh, personally, my thoughts are the administration has done some really good things and they take pride in their work. They fixed everything around Clay Helton. They gave him every resource possible to be the successful head coach at USC. And they go out and lay that egg against Stanford. If they run the table or something, maybe, but to me, coach, this is the, you know, there's the countdown is on. There's, there's no way that Clay Helton can come back next year short of running the table and like making the play. Like literally, I think the administration is going to be extremely frustrated from what they saw over the weekend. Now, I've been wrong on this stuff before, but I feel like now when they've come in, and I, I think they do have a lot of pride in their work. You know, they've upgraded so many things and they're basically like propped up Clay Helton. Like you have everything you could possibly need. Just go win the football game. And not only did you not win, you weren't competitive. So to me, coach, this is the end, the nearing the end. And it's just going to be a matter of time. I don't know when, I mean, there's a bye week, um, but it's going to depend on, you know, if you're not going to do it right now, which Bill Plaschke wrote a story in the LA times, just do it right now. And I, I think that's, you know, wouldn't have any criticism if USC fired him tomorrow, today, yesterday, be like, oh, that makes sense. Um, but if that's not going to happen, you know, you go on the route, the, the road and lose to Washington State, could happen then. If you end up winning the next few games or not impressive, maybe it happens during the bye week. I just don't know. Um, the bye week, unfortunately, you got Notre Dame right after that. That's the position Clay Helton was put in when he was, you know, taking over for for Lane Kiffin. So that's not a great spot when you got to put in there, but um, I don't know. That's just my thoughts. What do you, what do you think coach? Well, uh, <clears throat> it's a difficult thing, a difficult, difficult uh, question to answer. So, you know, how I feel about firing people, but I personally think if I was the athletic director that I would just let him know now play out the season and uh, we're going to make a change. You can resign if you want, but we have to do it because of we're just going a different way. Yeah. Uh, because the people currently right now are angry. The people right now are you're losing people by the minute as far as supporters, people, and fans. The next thing I would do, the interim head coach, whoever decided to take it, I would tell them that they're not going to be the head coach. So if you take this position, that means you're not going to be the head coach because I'm not going to hire somebody. I don't care if he won all the games. Or not, but you're not. We're not going to hire anybody on the staff because the people aren't going to be satisfied with that. And I would let the associate head coach know, who's a great recruiter, and evaluate him. That I'll talk to the new head coach, who we love to keep you. I would turn over the entire program to the head football coach, and that's the only way I would get it. And if I was the head football coach coming in, that's what would be in the contract. I have the complete say of every staff member. That has to do with football from anywhere to anything. That's the front office, anything. 
everybody either, and I did this at UNLV, and I made everybody reapply for their job, everybody. And I didn't care what they were. And uh, that way they're working for me. They're not working for someone else. They're not working for the university. They're not working for Michael Bone. They're working for me. I'm the chief off CEO, COO, president of the football program. And no one else says anything about that. And if someone is, aren't, isn't willing to reapply, then they're gone. Because I want my own recruiting coordinator. I want my own front office. I want my own coaches. I want everything myself, my own. Only thing I would say if I was Mike Bone, you have to wear our school colors. We're cardinal and gold. And we're going to wear the proper uniform. There's not going to be any image change of our uniforms. That's what we've been forever. Regarding the socks, the shoes, the shoelaces, everything. Not one sock up and one sock down. This is what we're going for, okay? You can have open practices, closed practices. I don't care what kind of practices you have. It's your football practice. If you don't want the media in here, they won't be in here. If you don't want certain people on the field, they won't be in here. We'll give you the resources to want you to be in a championship game in three years. In three years, we're in the uh, playoffs, okay? If we're not in the playoffs, then your contract becomes void if we decide to get rid of you. I would give him three years to get it done in charge of everything. I would give him a good salary so that he knows he's going to be taken care of for three years. I'd pay the assistant coaches, but with the same out, you got to get it done. You're not going to live this through for five years and make $50 million on us. Those guidelines will give you everything, but we expect something back in return. We'll turn it all over to you, and if someone is willing to take that job, like a Bobby Stoops, I'm just throwing out names or the coach at Cincinnati, or whoever it might be, I'd do that. I'd also tell him that our main recruiting area is not going to be Texas or not going to be Alabama. It's going to be our local kids first. Our identity is Southern California. I watch them play everywhere in the country every weekend instead of our place. So if you can't recruit or have the type of program that we want here at USC, then you can't get the job done here either. So it would be short, sweet, Solid, and that's where we'd go. I like it, Coach. Um, all right, let's do uh, a text message from Sean. It's exhausting trying to be a USC fan. We've seen the same poor performances for the last few years. I can't even remember when we last had a powerful win. It should happen on a more regular basis. This team is just blah. I'm tired of putting in the energy being a fan. Maybe I'll try again in a few years where there's some change, Sean. And I think that's the 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 issue coach the fan apathy is just for me feels sky high right now and if you're the administration that's what you can't have the environment in the beginning of that game was great the students were great everyone seemed fired up they you know you brought fans back to the coliseum there was more people there than there was for the san jose state game they had the, the lights out it was like it looked cool you know it was it was fun the the students were really into it I'm not a big DJ guy, but you know they like the DJ. They got those students rocking. The environment was awesome. And then USC just like lays an egg in the first, first quarter with a couple three and outs, the big 87-yard touchdown run for Stanford, and just sort of took like the energy out of there. But uh, fans are becoming apathetic, and that's, that's worse than anything, Coach. When they don't care anymore, if they're mad at you and they're like calling you, and at least they're caring. Like 
if you're just going to walk away and not watch, that's I think that's what the administration, the risk that they're taking, the longer they keep Clay Helton. Well, you're right. I, I basically have said that. Uh, does the president, what's the president's thoughts? What's the region's thoughts, the trustees' thoughts? Do they care? Do they want this type of program? It's up to them, you know. I mean, I haven't heard anything come out of any of their mouths or even Mike Bowen. I don't, I don't know what they're doing. So, uh, uh, and I'm not saying they're not working on things or they haven't talked to somebody. But I've seen no indication that there's been any change or anything else. Uh, and so, so be it. And that's the way it's going to be. Uh, all right, uh, let's go to our buddy Sergeant Strong. Um, well, this game really sucked on both sides of the ball. It seemed they just couldn't get any rhythm flowing. USC Jordan fans love their team. We all love USC with a passion that despite having a bad coach, we still want to support the players. But I feel now is the time that we all stop talking about it and start speaking, not with words, but with dollars. Right now, I feel... They all think that it's only a small group of people that are mad at the program and want a coaching change. But if we really want the change, then we need to stop spending money on the program. As much as it would suck, but we we need to stop giving them our money so they uh, so they see and that we as fans and boosters are not going to take this anymore. What do you guys think? Do you think that if fans stop showing up to games, that the administration will start to take it more serious? Thank you guys for all you do and fight on, Sergeant Strong. Well, Sergeant, it's the same old thing. People will take advantage of you as long as they can. Because if they don't see a difference in the contributions, if they haven't make a strong message, uh, then obviously uh, people really don't care. We're still getting this. We're still getting that. People don't care. You have to make a statement along the way. Not to me or Ryan, but Sarge, you ought to call the president's office. Find out what their thoughts are. Because they're the ones that are the ones in Washington, D.C., they're the ones that decide what type of bomb you're going to drop. So that's what you have to do. And I think it starts there. I've said that all along. I think everybody wants a championship, but you'd have nothing to say about it. They have all the say about it. Unless you make some type of statement or call off the foreign trade or do these certain type of things. Uh, it's like anything else. It's all politics. People have to demonstrate what they expect and what they want to return. And until that happens, you got the product. Yeah. Uh, all right. We have uh, a voicemail, international voicemail, Coach. Uh, here we go. Yeah. Hey, Ryan. Uh, this is Bill in Mexico. And I stayed up till 1.03 a.m. thanks to Fox's starting time. And mostly I had to watch a baseball game before I could see the USC game. I just, I just cannot believe what is happening to this team. But I'm going to cut it short. Here you had Barlow, Kyle Ford, Gary Bryant at the end of the game, and the, the the team was moving in the fourth quarter at the very end of the game. Why we didn't have these spark plugs in there earlier in the game, I don't know. But when I see uh, our quarterback throwing behind their, their uh, star player, it's just very upsetting to, to watch. There has got to be more focus on the offense. Okay, Bill in Mexico signing off. Thanks for all the uh, commentary. Well, thank you for watching the game late. Uh, you're going to be watching a lot of late games, okay? 
because who knows what's going to happen after uh, these other games. Uh, you're not going to you know, be able to uh, watch them at, at a normal time. If you lose, you're not going to be the prime time game. But that's the way that goes. And you've, I think we've answered all these questions, Ryan. I don't hate to keep repeating myself. But, uh, you know, it comes down to, to what you put on the field and the product. And the games are actually basically boring, okay? The offense is boring. There's nothing exciting about it at all. So we'll just end it at that. Yeah. Okay, let's uh, go to uh, – well, we have this is a long – so C wrote in this really, really uh, long diatribe. This is great, C, if you want to go on the uh, uscfootball.com message boards. But he did have some questions at the end. Um, so he said, uh, as far as he goes, I live 2,900 miles north of Los Angeles. Uh, could you tell if Todd Orlando repeated, re, Todd Orlando's repeated negative smirks and head shakes were what you need or want uh, on the sideline? So I think he was watching that on the TV broadcast. Well, I think I mentioned that earlier. You could see by his expression when he especially was down on his his knees, like, you know, looking out on the field, he was embarrassed, first of all. He was upset at what the product was on the field. He's probably ex- upset at the leadership and the way his team was playing as far as the unit, the defensive unit, and the entire program. If he could have put a mask on or gone and hid somewhere, he would have done that. I felt like that as a head football coach before. I have felt that way, and I'm sure a lot of you have felt that way on different things that you're involved in. And if you have a lot of self-pride, you know, it comes back to you but you know where the responsibility is. And you know exactly if you've been around football long enough, you know what it takes to win and you know what it takes to lose. And sometimes you know it's on your shoulders and you know you're part of it. And when you do, you feel terrible about it. But sometimes when you're assistant coach, you can't do anything about it. You got to shut your mouth and go along with it. And I think that's basically what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's go to uh, an email. It says, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different outcome. Um, you see, that's always misquoted and stuff, too. I mean, you get the premise of it, but there people say it was like someone, it, you know, but whatever. It's just, it's kind of been an overused thing, but we've heard it before. But Clay must go. Everyone defends us the same way. Drop eight, rush three. Hello. All he says after every embarrassing win or loss is to uh, compliment the other team for their execution. What about ours? Change the coach and the scheme. Uh, that's Ray from Florida. Ray, I think we've answered that question. You're exactly right. When you compliment the other team so much, it's because you don't know what to say about your team. And I always used to say, don't talk about my team. I'll talk about my team. You talk about your team. And you know, uh that's like saying somebody just, you know what, did it to us, and uh, I don't know what to, I don't know how to stop the bleeding here. But the, it's not a Band-Aid anymore. It's more than a Band-Aid is what you need, and I think uh, we'll see what happens. For sure. Uh, this is uh, from Gary, class of 1975. Guys, I gave up on Clay Hilton years ago, and I've stopped believing in Harold's offense, but I thought we could count on the defense to keep us in games. Dante, Nivar, Seoto. Orlando have recruited well, and I thought they could coach players up. Was I wrong? Uh, why were Stanford wide receivers so open? Was it scheme effort, or are they just not as good as I thought? Fight on. Beat the Cougars. Uh, Gary. Well, you know, when you gave McKee a, a time to throw the ball, he made some nice throws. He absolutely did, and he had some pass interferences involved in it. And 
you assisted them with the momentum of the game. And yeah, they were open. You've got to make plays and, uh, you've got to be able to help the secondary guys too, by putting a rush on the quarterback. You know, you can't cover all day. I want you to know there's a, that's an impossible thing. You got, if you can't cover, you better get to the quarterback, which is going to be a long afternoon or evening for you. And, uh, you know, they dissect you, they throw the ball where they think it's going to be open. And uh, the guy did a great job and their receivers did a great job of catching it. And, after a while, uh, they were facing big receivers, and Stewart had trouble with the big receiver, so he started holding on and grabbing him. And I think most of the penalties were deserving. And, uh, you know, and then just, you know, USC's just, you know, doesn't have that spark as far as what it needs to do when it needs it. A game, game changer, you know, I really like that Greg Johnson interception on the defensive side of the football or turnovers to, to get something sparked there was no spark there was no spark or electricity on the football field and uh i think it was uh, you know stopping yourself and beating yourself or things that will you know do it my tweeted out at halftime just come out and play a football game and don't beat yourself let somebody beat you don't beat yourself and again in the second half it was the same old story yeah uh okay we got la fred I got only one more, but they got to go get a haircut. Okay, we'll do one last one from Ellie Fred. There are only so many things to be upset about, but I'll focus this question on one of the most disturbing. I felt the team quit on offense and defense at times during the fourth quarter. You talked about that, Coach, after the booing happened. Uh, that is unforgivable kiss of death for a head coach. Did you see that in the game? And if so, how do you justify keeping Clay Helton as a head coach following this from L.A. Fred? Yeah, I saw him quit. Did you see him when they got in their jumbo formation and got under center and just handed the ball off? to the eye back and he ran into the end zone. Nobody's ever faced that the entire spring or fall. They just ran right into the end zone. Kids didn't try. They, I mean, they tried, but there was not the effort. They didn't even know how to play that play. They're not used to taking on that type of back blast action and so on. And I talked about that all the time, that if, unless you practice against it, you're not going to be good at anything. So, uh, yeah, I saw a little bit of them quitting. And, and, and uh, it's because of a combination of things. It's not a it's not just one thing. It's like I say all the time, it's a combination of things, uh, leadership, uh, directions, belief, the whole thing, wanting to, you know, die for the program, not being Hollywood, the whole thing. It's all part of it. And, you know, right now, uh, you know, uh, I want to take a guy that wants to jump in the foxhole with me. And uh, I don't know if that's currently right there. All right, coach. Well, good stuff. Uh, go get your hair cut, but thanks for sharing all your thoughts and everything. And, uh, we will uh, talk to you soon. Hopefully the Trojans have a better effort, uh, this coming weekend against Washington state, but thanks again. Thank you very much, Ryan. And for all of you out there, good luck. And I try to on honestly answer the questions for you. I mean, you don't might, you might not agree with me, but when you ask a question, it's just my answer. Okay. Have a great week. All right. See you coach. And thanks everyone for tuning in. We will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.